I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Welcome back to Old School. I'm Rick Lasky, along with my buddy, John Salka. And uh, we, we, we've been fishing through our topics and uh, not wanting to repeat anything. Uh, uh, you know, John, one of the things we do need to look at, buddy, I've had a lot of people, I don't know about you, I've had a lot of people when we talk about Old School, um, have asked, not necessarily to go over and cover a topic again, but expand on it. You know, I mean, we, we try to keep these between 30 and 35 minutes-ish, sometimes a little bit longer, but sometimes a little bit less, you know, enough for somebody driving to and from work or working out or checking the rigs and all that stuff can listen. But that, that's been a question, John. So maybe, you know, in the near future, we just need to go through that list and go, you know, and I can bring back a, a couple of suggestions from people, but there's been a couple of more, you and I have talked about, Hey, we need to do this again, or we need to continue this with a part two. And I don't think we've gotten it because we got all these great topics all the time popping up. It's like, Oh, let's do this one. Let's do that one. But, you know, a couple of people have uh, more than a couple have asked about, you know, maybe going and, and adding on to one. So um, I, I think we need to take a look at that and uh, and go from there, buddy. What do you think? I think it's a good idea because obviously, I mean, we've been doing it for a while now, but, uh, you know, we put a lot of thought and effort into into the topics that we pick. Most of them are pretty, I don't want to call them meaty, but, they, but they're good. They're good. They're good topics for the typical average firefighter or company officer. So uh, revisiting them is, is good. Just if for no other reason, some time has gone by and maybe some other events have uh, taken place or some other lessons have been learned, you know, and we can bring it up again. Exactly. And, and things are always changing. Times are always changing. I mean, you know, we've been doing these since, uh, you know, oh gosh, since May of 2019. So we've been doing it for a while, you know. Um, and, you know, we, hell, we, we, we've, and I'll just say this, we've made it through COVID, you know, um, you know, and all that stuff. But, uh, but uh, we, we, we'll, we'll go back and look at those. So for our, for our listeners, we'll go back and we'll knock a couple things out for you. Um, FDIC is coming up, coming up in August. So uh, we hope to see you there in India. And then we'll be back in April again after that. We got a ton of stuff going on there as usual. But um, speaking of FDIC, John, one of the programs we're going to be teaching again, and they asked us to put into it, uh, put it in for, uh, for our, our program request for 2022 as well. Uh, you know, we do uh, uh, the three degrees of May Day is a workshop, a breakout session on Friday. Um, we're in the big room with Bobby and, and John Norman and uh, Bill Gustin for uh, after hours on Wednesday night. I'm looking forward to that. That'll yeah. be fun. Oh, yeah. I'm doing a sweat and a small stuff, a, a mini workshop for the women in fire on Monday. But Monday, we're doing our, our chief officer field training program. Um, the program is that we, you know, you know, you and I came up with, buddy, if you remember, it was, it was, and for our listeners, we've been doing a company, we've been doing company officer battalion chief leadership training for decades, literally decades. All right. We start teaching the first five alarm leadership program. Golly, buddy. Um, you know, 90s and FDIC and so on and so forth. So, so that being said, 
um, uh, you know, all the company officer stuff, again, for our listeners that we've been doing, now a lot of those company officers that have, you know, were promoted, lieutenants, cabs, like, hey, you know, we're, we're looking to, you know, I'm either promoting to or get ready to or whatever, uh, or test for battalion chief. And there's really, there wasn't a whole lot out there, John. And uh, you and I. You know what? And you've said that, and you've said that for years at a lot of different classes that we do. You're like, I mean, obviously the chief, but chief officers in general, beginning with, I mean, let's face it, if you, if you counted chief officers in America, there's probably more battalion chiefs than any other rank of chief because it's the lowest level. They don't want to sell out in the field, you know, and uh, they get the least training, not just battalion chiefs, but chiefs in general. But uh, battalion chiefs are still out there with the boys, you know, and, and they, they, when we put this class together, obviously we've both been, we've both been that, you know, I'm 17, 17 years as a battalion chief. You're so, there's so many things that only the battalion chief does, you know, right, right. I mean, we could talk all night about company officers and all that too, but there's all, there's so many things that only the battalion chief does. They're in a pretty unique spot in the, uh, in the hierarchy, in the chain of command, you know, at least in field units and in, in, in the field, the field end of the fire department. Right. So, uh, yeah, it only made sense that eventually people started asking about it. And we said, yeah, that makes sense. The, the audiences are a little smaller. Obviously there's not as many chief officers as there are lieutenants and captains nationwide, but uh, we've had some very good, uh, I think we've had some great discussions and some good classes. Well, we, we just did the one in Alpharetta through CSU. Um, and, you know, and, and like you said it perfectly, John, there is a ton of firefighters. And then there's a enormous size group of, of lieutenants and captains. And then it drops off like, I mean, dramatically to the shift chiefs, the shift commander, district chief, battalion chief, whatever you may call them in your department that actually run, you know, the shift, um, not necessarily, you know, uh, a deputy assistant or, or an executive, you know, uh, a level chief, you know, that's, that's working Monday through Friday, but someone who's, who's running the shift, you know, that, that field general, if you will. Um, and, you know, so there's, so uh, granted a smaller group, like you said, John, but there, there wasn't anything out there, you know, there were, there's, oh, there's fire, this fire chief academy, this and that, well, you know, I've been doing that, but, um, you know, answered the bell and, and did it again. And I thought Alpharetta, what, what a great group. We've been there a couple of times, been for the company officer academy. Now we went back for that. Isn't that a great group of people there? First of all, we love Georgia, but Alpharetta, Georgia, we had people from all over, you know, the country there, but I mean, they were, they're an awesome host. Are they not? Yep. Yep. The, the last couple of classes have been great. Spartanburg. I, I really had, I really had a lot of, a lot of fun down there too. That was another great one. We've had a couple of, it, we started up in a real good, uh, in a real good way since, uh, since, you know, the break from, from COVID and uh, you started up earlier than I did, but those are my first couple, you know, Colorado and, and, and Spartanburg and uh, Alpharetta. It's, it's been, it's been very good. I was a little, uh, I was very, uh, it, it was nice to be back on the road. I hate to say oh. that, but it was nice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. It's, it's just the energy. I'm, I'm, you and I are just, it, this is, you know, it actually, in its own weird way, uh, not only did our country go through a pretty challenging time in the fire service, a lot of people went through horrible times with this and all that, but, um, you know, it, it's been so nice to be back on our own. Firefighters are loving the training. They want to get back out there again. But so we're, so we're doing our, our, our four hour out of the two day program, the two day field chief officer training academy. We're doing a field chief officer uh, program at FDIC, and it's a four-hour program for our, for our uh, listeners on, on Monday at FDIC, and we'll be doing it again in April. Uh, Bobby asked us to do it again. But, John, let's, let's, how about for this uh, particular show? Um, 
let's talk about, uh, I, I think we just talk about this, I don't know, generalize it, but let's talk about the successful, the successful battalion chief, the successful BC, because you and I have both had battalion chiefs that have worked for us. You as the battalion commander, those that, you know, were in your battalion that, you know, and, you know, the, the commander is just that. You've talked about before, there's a, there's a commandant or commander over rescue one, a captain. There's a captain, you know, the captains in the BC. And there's, there's one that, you know, is, is, is in charge. Well, explain real quick for, for our, our listeners, because a lot of people, a lot of young guys and gals are interested in the FDNY, the difference between Battalion Chief Jones and Battalion Commander, the, can, you know, the commander of the 18th Battalion. What, what, are, what are the duties? What, what's the commander in charge? Why do they have one? Yeah, yeah it, it's funny you should ask that, uh, because um, just yesterday, I, I, I ran into a couple of a couple of paramedics here in town. They were they were out driving around, and I happened to be where they were, and we started talking. And uh, oh, how you doing, Chief Good? What's going on? And one guy was a uh, uh, FDMY buff. You know what I'm saying? He he had ridden with Mickey Convoy and stuff. And you know he's like, and he asked me that question. He said, you know, I, I saw you combine battalion commander. I said, I read that book. What's the difference? And and it's actually a pretty simple. It's a pretty simple uh, explanation. And I actually wrote an article about it one time as well, is talking about the structure, the rank structure. Um, so you, like you said, whether you have three shifts or four shifts, whether you volunteer or career, like when I was in Mineola, I was a volunteer in Mineola, Long Island. We had a second lieutenant, a first lieutenant, and a captain. There was a captain there. Wasn't really known as a company commander in a volunteer fire department, but he was known as the captain of truck right. two, right? Right. And that was the hierarchy there, including the lieutenants, second lieutenant, first lieutenant. There was there was there was a little hierarchy going on there too. Most career departments, there, there isn't. Most career departments, it's either or all captains across the board, which is, which was one of the points I made in the article that I wrote, how, how really sort of ineffective and wasteful that is to have equal ranks across the board. You know what I'm saying? And then somebody said, well, the battalion does in New York City. And it was a great point. New York City does. Each battalion has four battalion chiefs of equal rank making the same pay. But one of them, based on seniority, is designated as the as the battalion commander, and the same thing same thing in divisions, which is the rank above the battalion in New York City, and lots of other places have that as well. It's still a field level chief officer, still works the same shifts as firefighters and company officers, uh, and they have four deputy chiefs. Well, but the, but the senior chief is a division commander. That's what Jay Jonas is retiring from. Well, let me He's ask you real quick. Let me interrupt you for a quick sec because I got a question. So what if what if this this they got the most senior BC? doesn't want to be the battalion commander says, look, you know what? I'm happy just coming in. Can he turn it down as the next? Absolutely. Next Absolutely. Okay. And, and, and another thing that came up during my tenure actually came up uh, when I retired, I retired and uh, you, you hold on to your battalion commander uh, designation until you actually do retire because there is a small stipend with it for years. There was nothing. You get the exact same pay as everybody else. And about 10 or 15 years ago, they, they, they added some money to it. So uh, anyway, then they were in the process of selecting a new battalion commander, and it was and it should have been by 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 seniority. It should have been my mutual partner, the guy that I worked the most with, Bart Todd, right. great guy. And not only did he not get it, he didn't know that they were that they were filling it. They never even spoke to him and and skipped him and offered it to the guy below him, uh, which absolutely. I don't want to say it wasn't correct because they're allowed to do that. They can they can select anybody they want. Generally, you know, tradition is seniority, but they didn't. And I and I and I actually called up and I spoke to a couple of people. I said that's just really not right. I said for a fire department that has such a good handle on everything else that we do, 
to flub that, to, to flub that little operation, and, and never mind not picking him, at least have a professional, you know, process and call a guy up and say, listen, are you interested in being battalion commander? Yes, no. If you're not, okay, thank you very much. We want to offer it to you first. You're next in line. And then you can go to the next guy with no problem. And if he did, and if he was interested in it, then maybe you have a little decision to make. Then maybe you're going to have to now listen. It's not a test. It's not, it's not based on qualifications. It's based on who, who the folks right above you want to deal with. So I guess they wanted to deal with the other guy. But so that was really long, a really long verse answer to your question. And I didn't answer it yet. So the answer is, if you have four battalion chiefs and, and one of them is a battalion commander, he essentially is the same as a company that has three lieutenants and a captain. He is the, the, he's the commanding officer of the unit, even though he's of equal rank. You know, and, and I wore a silver oak leaf instead of a gold one. The other three chiefs wore a gold oak leaf. I wore a silver. In a division, the deputies wear eagles, but the division commander wears a single star. It's the only guy that wears a star in the FDNY that works shifts, you know, um, but anyway, and you're the one that sets policy. You're the one that has some input into offices, vacancies in the battalion, uh, things of that nature. So it's not a gigantic uh, administrative load, but the administrative end of it is really why it was creative, to make sure somebody's there saying, hey, let's get all the reports in. Hey, let's let's get that job done. Hey, let's do some training around here or whatever it is. It's almost, like, it's almost like being the chief of a department. I know there's deputies above you and everything else, but it's like, yeah, I've got three battalion chiefs that work for me and all these stations, you know, and, you know, it, it kind of, the, the hierarchy, the hierarchy is there. Um, you know, I've said that a hundred times. When I was a battalion commander, it was like being the chief of department of the 18th battalion. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I had three firehouses. I had six companies. I had 125 firefighters and 30 officers. And that that's like a small, a small oh, department. You it know? Make, it and, makes, it makes perfect sense. I mean, so, when we, when we do our program, John, um, you know, we, we start off talking about, you know, like what it takes to be the BC, you know, studying and, and, and getting into the right, you know, the timing has a lot to do with it, the right person. Not always. We know that sometimes promotional systems promote people that may not actually be the best candidate, but, but most of the systems I think work. Um, most of them work well. Um, so let, let's talk about that. Let me actually, let's kind of, you know, throw that out there at first before we start picking it apart a little bit in general terms. All right, let's go to, uh, uh, I know, I know what I looked at as a chief of department when it came to the battalion chiefs working for me. Um, what, what, what did you look for? What, what, what did you expect? And what did you look for from, we're talking a successful battalion chief. What did, what did the battalion commander, you know, John Salka look for from his BCs in order to be able to say, you know, I'm looking at three, you know, successful battalion chiefs working for me. What were some of the traits you looked for? Some of the actions for the company officers? Is that what you're asking? No, for the battalion chiefs. For the battalion chiefs, what were you, you know, looking at? As you know, what would what what were you looking at that, you know, um, that that told you, you know, what signs did you see? What traits? What made for the successful battalion chief working for you? I'll tell you, it was. Uh... It was always interesting because as, as uh, not only as the battalion commander, just being a battalion chief in a New York City fire department, obviously the other three chiefs in my battalion, you know, take days off, go on vacation, you know, whatever it is once in a while. And once in a while, all of a sudden a strange, a strange face walks through the door. And as a battalion chief, just a covering guy, maybe a newly promoted guy. Um, so you, you get to see, you know, sometimes you get spoiled because you get the two or three guys that you work with all the time and, and they're all great. And, and, and the place is running like a well-oiled machine. And all of a sudden, bing, some guy shows up for two weeks to cover 
Billy Byers vacation. And then you discover, wow, every time chief isn't, you know, as well-versed and well-experienced and, and, and all the things that, that my chiefs were. So I'll tell you one, one of the things that I think is the most important is you gotta, you gotta have you to be a good battalion chief, you know, first level chief, district chief, battalion chief, they call it different things in different places. You got to be a good communicator. You got to be able to talk. You got to be able to ask questions. You got to be able to really step in when something's going on. You know, most of the time, and we've laughed about it right here in, in, in previous podcasts about how, you know, when you're eating lunch and they're joking around, how you're saying nothing, you don't jump in on that kind of stuff. You just sort of listen because you're the chief now and you don't want to jump in. So there's a lot of times when you sort of got to zip it and you got to, you know, hold your comments. But there are selected times where the light's on you. Bink, the spotlight comes on and they're all waiting to hear what the battalion chief's got to say. So, you know, obviously operational, obviously at the scene of an, of a, of an emergency. If you don't say anything, and certainly in my fire department, I imagine it's, it's most it's true in most other fire departments. If you get somewhere and don't take charge, somebody else does. Right. It, everybody's not going to stop working and stand there and look at you and say, what do you say, chief? You're just going to roll in and go work. So battalion chiefs have to be ready to jump in and say, hey, hey, I'm here now. 1-H here. Listen, 45. Pull, pull out, go to the building next door, or, or I, I, 88's going to back you up, or whatever it is, whatever it is. So you, But it's not just operational. It's other times, too. There's, there's times where you have to step up and jump up and speak up, you know, if company officers are maybe sliding a little bit, maybe not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Because you you know and I know, we, I've, I've said this a thousand times in a thousand different classes and different stories about how I never yell at firemen. I've never yelled at a fireman. I yell at officers. You know, that that's my, those are the folks that are on my plane. Those are the folks that I pay attention to and I straighten out and give instructions to and try and be helpful for. Uh, it's company officers. So you got to have a good rapport and be able to good communicate with your company officers. Well, and obviously, I mean, you, you want someone that knows, like you said, how to run a fire scene, an accident scene, you know, a large scale incident or whatever, you know, to their stuff and be able to train those below him or her to be able to do the same thing once they get into that position when they're acting battalion she's like and you know where, where i'm from that kind of thing all right um obviously we want someone who's a good leader you said someone who's a good communicator that you know knows where to and where not to insert themselves um i think john you know it, it just is important when we're talking about those leadership traits and we've said this before someone who's organized you know, if anyone, we, we talked for decades about how the company officer needs to be organized and needs to be detail oriented and all that. I think the battalion chief has to be that and more because you're Absolutely. that step, yeah, you're that next step. And, you know, now, you know, and, and pretty much everything going through that, that captain lieutenant's office is coming through yours for a signature, whether it's performance evaluations or, or disciplinary issues or whatever is coming through there, you know, as bad as it is, I think, John, for a captain or lieutenant to be disorganized or show up late, to be tardy and not talk to the guys and gals, and the only time they see is lunchtime when there's a call and so forth, I think the same thing goes for the battalion chief. And, and we, we, you know, how many times we said for the company officer, your guys come first. It's always about your people. The men and women that work for you come first with all your decisions, with all your actions, with everything. The whole servant leadership thing. Well, now, now you know, now you're not just, uh, you know, the, the, I guess this, you're not just uh, the mom and dad watching over the kids. You're the grandparents now. You're the grandfather, you're the grandfather, grandmother going, okay, you know what? I have to, I have to take what I learned as a parent and then what I learned as even a child before that 
and take care of the adults in the situation. You know what I'm saying? Because you said already, you know, the battalion chiefs, you know, are, you know, those are, I'm sorry, those captains, lieutenants are taking care of their firefighters and doing with that. You've never had to discipline or talk to a firefighter. That's their job. So, and it's kind of weird that, you know, I'm not, some people think grandparents means you're old. I, I think more from a tenure aspect that, all right, the battalion chief, now that's what you are, man. You've got, you've got the adults, you've got your, you know, you've got the adults running and supervising and taking care of, you know, the firefighters, you know, that kind of thing. And you've got to be organized. You've got to be, you, if anybody's got to be dialed in even more without meddling in their business, without micromanaging, you've got to be organized. You, you know, it's even more so, I think if the battalion chief doesn't have the thought press, John, thought process that the guys come first, it's like, like Bruno used to say, you can't poop up. You know what I'm saying? It goes downhill. And I think the company also will be affected by that as well. And you're going to have company officers that don't, you know, you and I've walked into it and you go, you know, that old saying, you know, you, you, you follow ugly kids, hope you find ugly parents. You find company officers ain't doing their jobs. And company officers, you know, that don't care about their people and aren't organized and kind of run a camp, run amok. Wait till you see the BC. I, I, I can almost guarantee you, nine, nine, nine times a hundred, the BC is going to be the same way because just like with the captains, lieutenants about the firefighters, if you have a, 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 a misfit group of firefighters that aren't doing their job, I, I'm, the majority of the time I, I'm, I haven't seen anything else. The captain will tell you doing her job. I'm sorry. I just, I just don't right. think right. A, a, right. a group of children are allowed to act that way unless the parents allow it. Same thing. If you've got yeah. company officers that aren't being supervised and, and led and mentored by the BC, same thing. Right, buddy? And you know what it's like? It's a lot like a sports team. It's, it's a, lot, a lot like a football game, right? You see that head coach on the side. That's the battalion chief. He's not the chief of department. He's the battalion chief. You know, there's an owner there and there's all sorts of other people, but but he's the battalion chief. He's on the sideline. He's not actually out there running around on the grass, but he's, but he's still got cleats on, you know, and he probably used to run out there once himself when he was a younger man. He was probably a, a, one of the players and that. Now he's on the sideline. Same thing with baseball. You get the pitching coach, you get the manager, the bench coach. So you got that. That's the staff in there, right? And you're not actually doing it, but most of the time, most of those folks used to do it. And, and they got a great knowledge of the job, a great knowledge of the, in that case, the sport or the game. And what you do is you call the shots from the sideline. You, you see the guy, you see the batter sometimes looking back at the, at the dugout or the pitcher and everybody. So it's, you're heavily involved in what's going on and you're not even in the picture frame. You're not even in the camp. You know, they, they might not even know where you're sitting in, in the, you know, in the dugout. The same thing with the chief. You're standing across the street watching a building burn down and there's all sorts of people in there. All the pictures, pictures are being taken, videos being taken. In the corner, bottom corner of the screen, you see a white helmet comes in the picture a little bit. Oh, it's a chief across the street watching the whole thing, you know. So we're very involved, but it's sort of like a, uh, you know, you know, laid back a little bit. Well, we've talked about before, almost like, uh, and not to demean it, the, the BC or the chiefs are kind of like the puppeteers. You know, they're the, they've got the strings and they're kind of guiding and helping, you know, move the company officers kind of around where they should be. And then the company officers are the ones that are actually you know, ensuring that their firefighters are doing what they're supposed to do. But, but you're right. It's, you know, obviously it takes, it takes someone with leadership skills and that that's, that's like 10 shows we've done already about what it takes to be that great leader, but someone has leadership skills. Someone understands a battalion chief, what it means to be just like as a company officer, what it means to be a supervisor, to supervise your company officers, and then to manage stuff, to manage everything, some of these BCs, I might, you're, you've got money, you've got budgets, you've got people, you've got policies, you have procedures, you have displayer issues, apparatus, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. Who's getting overtime? Who's not getting overtime? Um, 
who, how we covered sick time and all this different stuff and a lot more interactions for a lot of departments, which are HR departments, so on and so forth. So obviously you had that whole leadership side, you know, right. and which encompasses a supervisor, manager, and, and again, ultimately leader. Um, if we break that down even further as to some of the things that allow and assist the BC in becoming successful, I duh, we'll just sum it up that way, being, being that good to great leader. Um, we talk about in class, the importance of, and you said communication, I want to key back to that because that's so huge. And that's one of the biggest complaints you and I see, you know, what's the biggest product department? Lack of communication, lack of communication. Well, not knowing how to communicate, let alone how to get your message apart and so on and so forth uh, across as the BC is huge. But you're not going to do that, John, if you don't make calls. You're not going to do that if you're not training with the men and women when you can. Obviously, you can't be there all the time. You're not going to do it out mentoring. You're not going to, you know, if you're not out there building a team. But how about station rounds? And, and this is something we focus on with our, our, our battalion chief school, the importance of the BC making rounds. I, and I'll say this before you, you start. You know, in Louisville, when I got there, they didn't really have that opportunity. And I changed it where I said, Every single day, I don't care how big, I don't care if it's midnight, you will you will make your state, you will stop by every firehouse, you know, check in, sign off on the book that you were there, you know, meet with your officer or whatever, it doesn't matter. How important are station rounds in your eyes, you know, to, to, to the BC? You know, visits are important. It was always, I don't, I don't know if it was always my favorite thing to do, but it, it, as, as I grew, you know, as I, as, I, as I got more time in the job, uh, I used to enjoy the visits more uh, because number one, you, you get into, you know, sit down. Like I just heard some people talking online earlier this morning, a Zoom meeting going on in a, in a place that I'm involved in. And guys are saying, oh man, I wish we were all sitting in the same room looking at each other. It'd be, it'd be easier to have this conversation about this policy that we're talking about. And, and of course I agree. And, and I discovered that as well at the job. It was easier to go sit over at 88 Engine with Timmy Clett or with the captain and talk about this new thing that was coming down or the decision was made or the new bunker gear or whatever it is. It was always so not only easier, but it was, but it was more complete. I thought it was a more effective way to, to deal with people when you're sitting having a cup of coffee, whether it's up in the office or down in the kitchen, uh, whether it was something that you could be talking about with a couple of officers and maybe a couple of firefighters sitting there cooking a the meal, like that it didn't matter that it wasn't private or not. Um, compared to talking on the phone. You can call anybody you want. You know, so, some guys are desk jockeys, you know, they're sitting at the desk and they're picking up the phone, they call this guy, pick up the phone, call that guy. The phone rings, it's the other guy that they called earlier. They, they do 10 things on the phone and they never get up from their chair. And I'm not knocking that because some guys, you know, are very good at doing a lot of things. I used, I'd like, number one, I like to get out of the office, like to get outside and see what's going on in the street. And number two, when you're visiting the firehouse, you're doing more than just talking to the officer. You're doing more than just visiting the firehouse. You're looking at the rig. You're looking at the condition of the guys. You're looking at the gear that's hanging on the side of the rig. You're looking at, you know, there's snow chains and it's April and it's no chains are still laying on the side of the apparatus floor. You know, you're looking at a lot of different things when you make a visit. You're not just there for whatever reason it is that brought you there, you know? So I think that, I think the station visits, we call, you know, it's, it's taking out the bag. We're going to take out the bag, meaning we're going to go to all the firehouses, pick up the papers, drop off the papers. And sometimes it takes you three hours for four stations because you end up getting in the conversations. Hey, chief, hold on a second. We heard that they're out at the rock. They're doing this. And they did something today out there. And that was, that was other than actually being in my own firehouse for the evening or going to a job. That was always the next best thing was just driving around, visiting 48 engine, radiate engine. Oh, oh, listen, I covered for a couple of years before I got a spot. You could be in a firehouse you've never been before in your life. And it was still an interesting visit because you get to talk to people and see the, 
you know, sit down with them in the kitchen and check the rig out and everything else. Well, you get to kill off a lot of rumors too. You know, I, I mean, oh, when you, you make around, they go, hang on, you know what? Salk will be here. He's always here at 930. You just wait. He'll be here. We'll ask him when he gets here. You walk in. Hey, Chief, what's going on? Chief, you got a minute? Hey, our, we've been arguing about this all morning. We heard, you know, that I love anything that starts off that way is usually BS. We heard or, you know, exaggerated that blah, blah, blah. And you go, no, 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 no. That's not true. That's not what they said. I was sitting in a meeting. That got a blow to proportion. Here's what happened. Straighten that stuff out here. That kind of stuff. And that's true in every organization in the world. It's, it's, the, it's the lack of good information. The lack of keeping your people informed is what produces bad rumors. Oh, absolutely. If you don't pass information down, then people start making stuff up. Not even maliciously, necessarily. It just happens during a conversation. Somebody says something, said, yeah, I thought I heard that too. And before you know it, like the telephone you know, game where people relay back and forth to each other a message or a word and how it changes. So, again, the battalion chief is the link. Now, a couple of the officers, obviously, they, they work with and live with and sleep with and eat with and go to runs with their firefighters. Battalion chiefs, we're not on that rig. We may go on runs with them, but we also go to the division. We go to division meetings and division conferences, and then we bring back information. So battalion chief is a link between headquarters and the upper echelon and the folks that are doing the job in the field. So everybody really is looking. You hear from a battalion chief. It is so. It is correct. They're the linchpin. Yeah. They're the linchpin that's holding everything there with all their company officers. On the, you know, it's that whole... You know, you're going to disseminate that information and then your captains, lieutenants are going to do it. And hopefully, you know, the firefighters will get the right story. So so make it rounds. I mean, like you said, kills off the rumors. It helps really establish that line of communications, um, heads off a lot of problems to pass. And the guys get to see the chiefs. And you said you get to size up your guys. You look at the station, their gear, their app, their apparatus, their tools, how the firehouse looks, gives you a great read on the guys and gals. Remember the story I told you one time, and again, I hate to say this over and over, but I keep saying it. I, I've said this in a lot of different classes, this little story, but I remember one time I came into work and uh, was re- relieving a chief. I can't remember who it was. And uh, he had visited 88 engine and, and, and the reserve engine. New York City has oh, yeah. a, a series of engines, the 500 series of engines. Those are reserve engines. They're fully equipped, fully loaded with hose, masks, SCBA, tools, nozzles. Everything is there. Five guys could walk in the front door and drive out of there half an hour later as, as a company, right? So they're stored around the job, around the city in different firehouses where there's room. And it's just a 500 engine. So I think it was 505 or 508 or whatever the number was, uh, was stored in 88 engine. And so I come into work one night, the battalion chief was going home. One of the regular guys says, uh, oh, he says, uh, man, 508 engine wasn't an 88 engine. I stopped by there today and 508 was gone. I said, really? Wow. I said, uh, well, when was the last time you were an 88 engine? Oh, I don't know. It's been a little while. I said, it must have been a little while because it's been gone for three months. Uh, 88, 88, 508 engine hasn't been there for three months. You just discovered that today, you know? So I, mean, I wasn't busting the guy's chops. I was kidding around with him. But the point is, what about all the other things that were going on there for three months that he didn't see because he didn't stop by? He didn't see people coming and going or the condition of the place. And even just like that, that chief, he never stops by, you know? So Sometimes things happen at a place when they know nobody's going to be coming by versus up. Oh, nobody be here tonight. You know, the Alamo, the, the last outpost where they think you're not coming yep. by. So station yep. rounds issues. We talked about being a, being a good to great leader, being a good supervisor, good manager, you know, taking care of stuff, you know, and, and, and a good communicator station rounds, you know, you know, we don't need to really get into too much, but I know it's, it's important enough to mention though, making calls. And I've said this before, maybe not all the big, you know, 
if you're out and about and you hear an engine taking an alarm or a gas leak call or a truck, you know, if you're out there doing it, you kind of slide over. You don't even have to go on the air. And I just thought, John, it always gave, gave the BCs a good chance, you know, to, as you turn the corner, see if all your guys are dressed, if they got their tools, of how the, where the rig is positioned, where do they stop? What do they do? You know, you know, it, it's one thing you show up at a, at a report of a fire, a job, you know, whether you have something or not, you know, you know, usually it's not anything, but you get there, whether it's a fire or not, you're seeing them all pulling up and they're doing the routine. They know you're there and all stuff, but those single engine responses, like when you're in the neighborhood, just to slide over, you know, not micromanage, just, you know, it's the same thing, John, like making rounds. You walk in the firehouse, like you said, you take a look how they have their gear stowed on the rig next to it, the tools and stuff. Just as important, sometimes you got to make the boring calls. You're going to, hey, turn, turn right, go three blocks. They're up here at a gasoline call. I just want to see where they park the rig. Or I just want to see, you know, maybe you haven't seen Rick in a while. Hey, Rick, hey, come here. What's going on, man? No, nothing. Hey, how did this softball game go? But it gives you a chance, I think, John, to really kind of take a look and see away from the big calls that they're still in the good routine, like your guys. So I take that picture, 45 engine with the guys geared out, air packs, radios. They know it's a, they know, I'm just saying, I hate that BS call phrase, but they know it's a BS call, but they're standing back in the engine, ready to stretch two and a half at a BS call, dressed, ready to go, good. And, and I just think making calls once in a while gives you an opportunity, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, I never received the call. I was never assigned on a box that I didn't go to. And, and you know, apron runs. People use the term apron runs. You know, they pull out. Uh, somebody told me one time out in Staten Island somewhere. I hate, to, I hate to talk bad about anybody. But somebody said, oh, yeah, I went to Staten Island covering. I was a lieutenant. I was covering. A couple of times we got to run at 2 o'clock in the morning. And uh, the rig started up, pulled out on the apron. I was like, what are we doing? Hey, Lou, you know, we're fourth through. It's like six miles from here. It's 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 always a fall, it's always a false alarm. It's just that, that veterans hospital. And, and you know. And depending on who the boss was, he might say, well, I don't do apron runners. Get everybody on the rig and we're leaving. You know what I'm saying? And the same thing with Chiefs. Sometimes Chiefs thought to go slower or maybe not roll out the door on something like a gas leak or an odor or whatever it is. And I love going on runs. I, I told people 100 times, I don't drive 60, 65 miles from my house up in Orange County down to the Bronx to sit in the firehouse and watch the Yankees, although I did that plenty of times. I did it to go on runs. That's what I went to work for, to go on runs. I love going on runs, no matter how inconsequential or no matter how small a routine they sounded. So uh, that, that was never a problem with me. I don't think it was a problem with anybody in my battalion. I, I have never heard, I mean, there wasn't even a rumor of anybody in the 18th battalion doing apron runs. Everybody went on every run, you know what I'm saying? Right, but right. Well, so, so, so like we said, making rounds, making calls, training, obviously the battalion chief can't make every freaking drill. I mean, it's, you know, BCs have a lot of work to do, a lot of other stuff. But it's still important to make drills. And I don't think, not with the same company only all the time, you got to switch it up, right? You got to, right, right. whether you get involved in a drill or you just show up and you watch, you observe, or you, you some, I know some chiefs have like, they get, they come walking in, they got their gear, they put their gear in, they're doing the SCBA maze right in front of the guys, you know? And some come by, grab a cup of coffee, sit in the room, just listen to what's going on, see how it's being taught and everything else. Just as important to show up for, for training once in a while, right? Right. And, and I'll tell you, it's, it's very important. Training is, you know, you and I, right? That's what, we, that's what we're doing right now. Uh, training is important. However, at the battalion chief's level, at the chief officer's level, driving around in the buggy in a chief's car, like, it's not your job to be organizing, scheduling, and conducting training. Some people think, oh, the chief does a lot of training around here. Again, that goes back to company officers. Unless you don't have company officers, which is, which is another whole situation that's, you know, would have to be dealt with. 
if there are company officers on duty, if there are company officers in the volunteer fire company, those are the folks uh, that, that should be developing training, putting it together, conducting it in the firehouse. Chiefs have to be an important part of it. You, you can't be, you can't say like, well, the officers handle that. I don't, I don't need to be at the training. You be in there and, and, and participating and commenting. You, you evaluate your officers, see how good they're doing, see how the firefighters are doing. So you need to be part of training. But I, but I always like to make that point that you need to step back a little bit and you need to develop your company officers so they can actually conduct it and put it together and research it and, and present it in a, in, a, in a professional manner. And like you said, you stop by when you can, one night this firehouse, maybe the next day to the next firehouse. And the FDNY made a change about 20 years ago in that, in that regard. Used to be a chief would go by a firehouse whenever he could, or he'd call up a place and say, listen, I'm going to come by for drill tonight. And of course, and I'm not saying anybody deliberately didn't train, but I'm sure there were companies that if they didn't get the phone call, they pretty much knew the chief wasn't coming by for drill. So they might or might not have drill. And the guy who got a phone call from Chief Salk and it says, I'm coming over for drill. What time do you figure? Oh, about eight o'clock, chief. They knew at eight o'clock I was going to be there and they were going to be doing drill. Well, 20 years ago, the FDMY changed that and they put an assigned drill period on the day tour and the night tour. And if you work 24s, it could just be an assigned drill period in the afternoon or the evening, whatever time they select. And that was it. That was the new established drill time. Daytime was 2 in the afternoon. Nighttime was uh, 7 p.m. And you know what? Now I didn't have to make a call. And now everybody knew they were expected to be training at 2 o'clock and at 7 o'clock. And I can stop by anywhere I want at that prescribed time. Unless somebody was out on a run, guess what? It made life easy for me. Now, I didn't have to tiptoe around and make a call to make sure somebody was training when I showed up. I could pretty much show up anytime. And they knew that, too. So, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a discipline issue or anything like that, but it sort of got everybody more in a routine of training every day at the regular prescribed time and sort of expecting, you know what? The chief might be by. And I thought that was great. It freed it up for me too. I was able to be around. All I got to do is look at my watch on the way back from a run and say, hey, Jack, it's 2.15. Stop by, stop by 48. They should be drilling right now. And we stop by and sure enough to be on the apparatus floor doing something. So I thought that was a good I thought that was a good change that the department made. And when I asked during class time, doing, doing seminars, a lot of people say, no, they don't have a prescribed time. They just do it when they can fit it in. And that takes that, that takes that whole element away from the chief. Now, now the chief's got to make phone calls to arrange a drill to visit, you know? So I thought it was a good idea. Well, I, I think it's a great idea. So, you know, not that you don't, you know, trust guys, but there's, you know, I think firefighters do well when there's a format, when there's a process, I, I I've said it for years, you have too, that, Firefighters want to be led. They want SOPs, SOGs. They want rules and regulations, labor contracts, volunteer charters, all that stuff. And they want you to tell them what to do, then get the hell out of the way. The firefighters, they, they want a system to work in. I think, John, when they don't have it, you know, and they'll, they'll step up and they'll do their job, of course. But, you know, I, I, I think they love it when they've got, here it is, man, just give it to me and, you know, let, yep. me, let me roll. Yep. So, so obviously it's impossible uh, and, you know, 30 to 40 minutes to cover everything with this successful BC. And we've been trying to hit some of the highlights. You know, we mentioned the leader being a great leader, a good supervisor, good manager, you know, great leader overall, you know, communication station rounds, making calls, training. They were organized. The guys came first, you know, um, last couple of things are John, you know, the whole mentoring aspect as a battalion chief, as a, as a battalion chief, you know, um, mentoring your captains, lieutenants below you, uh, so one day when they step up, I think some people, I don't think as many people, John, do it to hold on to power anymore. You know, I mean, I don't think they do it as much as they just don't do it. They don't prepare the people coming up. They don't do the succession planning. 
and I think we're hurting ourselves by BC's not taking time to mentor those that belong, right? Absolutely. And, and, and that's an ongoing process. You do that during station visits. You're doing that at, at, at the drills after a fire. You, you, you're doing that during, you know, uh, really every encounter that you have with officers in some way, shape, or form. Even if you don't have an official mentoring program, you are mentoring people. They watch you. They, they notice how you work and how you talk, how you dress, how you respond, if you turn out quick. And, that, and that's, a, that's a great habit to get into, to, to, to measure what you do, to make sure you're doing everything right, because you, you, you got to know that officers model themselves after you to some degree. Obviously, every battalion or every department has some guy that looks like Joe shit the rag man. He's, you know, whether he's a chief or a captain and, oh, God, he's working again tonight. But for the most part, everybody falls into their, into their proper roles and they, and they do the right thing. Which, and what I wanted to mention was, and I didn't mention it yet, but I'll, I'll do it now because we're getting, you know, we're getting close to the end here. Um, I wrote down a couple of things before we started, and one of them was keep your distance. Now, that sounds a little rough around the edges, but it's really not. You know, making battalion chief from a company officer rank is very similar to making lieutenant from a firefighter's rank. It's a big right. change. You know, you're not in the boys club anymore. Even, you know, firefighters are firefighters. When you make lieutenant or captain, obviously, you're not one of the boys anymore. You know, buddy the boss. But, but when you go from company officer to chief officer, when you go to lieutenant or captain, whatever the ranks are, structure, when you make chief, battalion chief, district chief, you are not a company officer anymore. You're not riding in the rig anymore. You're not one of the boys anymore. And you really got to pay attention to that. You have to, you have to consciously take a step back. You can't be sitting there on the couch every night at, at, at baseball time, watching every game with the captain and 10 firemen and having fun and drinking sodas and, you know, like, and, and I'm not trying to be a, a killjoy or a stick in the mud here, but you have a new job now. And now you're not only overseeing whole companies and whole alarms, three, four, five companies, maybe 10, 15, 20, 30 people inside a burning building. You, you have to be able to, to discipline people. You have to be able to give instruction to people. Mentoring is what you just said. And you just can't be somebody that's always kidding around and laughing and, and, and being, being treated as an equal when you're not an equal, when you're a supervisor, you, you're, you're a company officer's boss. You know what I'm saying? And, and I know it's modern day now and nobody likes these delineations. Nobody likes, oh, you're the boss and who you work for and who you work with and all this other nonsense. Listen, if you're a battalion chief, you're the boss and you've got company officers that you're going to have to give instructions to. You've got company officers that you're going to have to tell things that they're not very happy about. And if you're always, you know, holding hands and cuddling and laughing and, and, and being buddies, it's hard to do that. You're just going to make the job harder for yourself or you're going to make it impossible and you're not going to be able to do it. So, I always like to tell guys, once you make the time cheap, listen, you had a good run as a firefighter. You probably had a good run as a company officer. Good. Now you're a battalion chief. Now you got to start acting like a boss. You know, you were a boss when you were a company officer, but now you really got to start acting like a boss when you're a battalion chief and take a step back and, and, and pay a little bit more attention to what you're supposed to be doing rather than maybe what's going on. You know? Well, and I, I always said things change, you know, we always take things change the moment you accept the leadership position as a company officer, as a chief, I always said as a BC, now you're putting a tie on, you know, most company officers don't wear a tie. You know what I'm saying? Most BCs depend on where you're at. I mean, I remember Eddie Enright, anytime we went to district headquarters, we had to stop by his office. He put his tie on. Anytime we went to district headquarters, you know, he just, that was just what we did. And yep. I guess it's, it's that you're the adult now in the room. I'm not dissing company officers or whatever, but you no, know, no, no, not at all. I mean, Matty Daly put that picture on Facebook uh, last week. Of, of me coming out of a building. It was an old picture when I was a young battalion chief. I had the white hat on and a coat on, and I was just coming out of a, a store, a taxpayer. 
and, and my cup, top couple of buttons were open. You can see I had a tie on, you know, a couple of people looked at that and said, you know, family, you wearing a tie going to a fire? I said, no, I'm wearing a tie during a day tour, but I happened to go to a fire. So I still had it on, you know what I'm saying? And it's true. And it's true. Yeah. Well, so, all right. So the BC has to understand confidentiality because you're dealing with a lot more personal personnel problems, you know, more behind the scenes, confidential things, which means that brings with a, a level of trust. You can't be running your mouth anymore. Like you used to when you were one of the boys or girls at the kitchen table, there's things you just don't discuss. And like you back to that, the very first thing you said, John, knowing how to communicate, knowing how to, when people ask questions to be able to, you know, cause they're going to be fishing. They're going to be trying to grab stuff from you, you know, where you have to answer questions, but not answer questions, you know, and, and, and there are certain things that you can talk about and certain things you can't, but, but this whole, you know, the loyalty, I guess I want to finish with loyalty is huge. That whole build the team thing, loyalty. And we talk about a class, you know, Rear, Rear Admiral Grace Hopper, who actually, you know, she's known for a lot of things at the Navy, but one she, I thought it's pretty amazing. She was the only one, the first one to measure the nanosecond and she's just brilliant. And we use her phrase, you know, loyalty up, loyalty down, respect for, for one's superiors, care for one's subordinates. That's not warm and fuzzy. Good bosses, good leaders. Some of the greatest generals, combat generals in our time have had respect for their, for their, for their, you know, superiors and care, you know, for, for, for their subordinates. Um, I think that's huge with the BC. You, you know, it, it you know, you've, you've got two worlds, you know, that you had, you've always talked about the buffer, the captain, Lieutenant, man, you're stuck. You got the firefighters, you have the chiefs, you get, you're like right in the middle of all stuff. Well, you're kind of as the BC, you know, you got your ship personnel, you're doing your thing. And now you got these big bosses right above you and you have to listen to some nonsense sometimes and bite your tongue. Sometimes you got to argue a point, um, the last thing I ever wanted was battalion chiefs that were mealy mouth, quiet, sit on a milk crate, not say nothing, people. Look, I don't want people being subordinate, but I want you to speak your mind. I want you to say something, especially if you got a good idea. But that loyalty thing both ways is huge, John. I think I think the, the battalion chief has the best opportunity to do what I just said, to build the team and to make a difference, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and as you said, they have all these different avenues of communication. They're going talking to the deputy. They're talking to fellow battalion chiefs that are working with them on duty in the same shift in different areas. Then they talk to the battalion chiefs that work in their battalion that they see when they leave and go home and come in. Then they talk to the company officers that they work with, you know, that, that are, you know, in the hierarchy below them, the company commanders or the uh, lieutenants on duty. I remember any time I was sending something down, whether it was a policy change, something about overtime, something about keeping people available for overtime because that was our job to get overtime. And uh, I would only send it to company commanders. Then I would list the six numbers, 88, 48, 45, 56, 38, you know, 58. I would just put company commanders, those six numbers from battalion commander, Josh Alcott, subject, overtime availability. Now, obviously, the lieutenants read that when it goes to the, goes to the office, but I make it out to the captains because that's my chain. Now, those are the guys I, I'm, I'm dealing with directly. Right. And it, it's important that you do that, you know? Well, you know, I guess, God, this is going to sound like a commercial. I guess what, if, if you want us to cover more, come to our class. I don't know how else to do it. Or we have to do like five parts to this because right. I did so, pretty, the successful BC, the successful battalion, we did a pretty good job with this one. Um, a little bit longer than about five, eight minutes longer than we normally go. But uh, great information. Um, 
I think I think what we talked about would serve as a good foundation, don't you? Not the whole plan, not the whole picture, but serves as the. Oh God, there's so much more. Yeah, yeah it serves as the launching pad. If you want, here's your launching pad. Take it and run with it and build on what we just told you. So, hey, buddy, um, if they want to get a hold of you, best email. Chief John Salka at gmail.com. And I'm Chief Lasky at gmail.com. We appreciate you tuning in again. Spread the word about old school uh, and the very near future. We're going to be offering some. We've been we've had this request, some old school uh, helmet decals that are going to be pretty freaking cool. Yes. The design's pretty cool. Um, uh, we've got some uh, help. From We Love Them, Dingus Fire, Nick Dingus and Jeff Bryant uh, from Sublet and Amboy, Illinois. But the Dingus Fire is growing. They're huge. They're taking over the country. And thank God, because they're a great business. We love them dearly. They take care of firefighters. Yep. They're both they're both firefighters. Um, but Dingus, I think, is going to do that for us, John. Uh, but Thanks. anyway, that being said, um, we hope to see, uh, you know, at FDIC, we're going to have more of the, obviously, these, these coming out. There's some more uh, new ones here as we keep tacking them on, uh, John and I always ask you at the end of every one of these episodes to please keep the men and women in our forces and your thought, thoughts and prayers. And remember, never forgetting means just that, never forgetting.